Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for life. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for dying our death that we may live your life. We thank you that we enjoy your generosity. We thank you for daily bread. We thank you for delivering us from wicked and unreasonable men. We thank you for delivering us from unfortunate instances. We thank you that the lines have fallen onto us in pleasant places. We thank you that your goodness keeps running after us. We pray that we Christ alone be exalted in our discussion. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Wow, we thank God for qualifying us to see another day. And it's just a reminder that we must work the works of Him who has sent us while it is day. For the night season of our life is coming where we will not be able to work. We are continuing our study on rightly divided. And we are on the part seven. Hopefully, this will be our last but one episode. That even though you. <laughs> if I should say, comes to add. So we have been looking at the advice Paul gave to Timothy that study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we ended off last week, we talked about translation and we emphasized on the fact that no translation had a 100% accuracy. So it's advised that at least you use two different Bible translations. And last week we talked about them. They basically, there are two writing styles or two writing techniques that the translators use, either a word-for-word -word translation or a context or paragraph-for-paragraph translation. It's advised that we use a version that do not use the same translating technique. So commonly you can use the King James and the NIV. Or you can use the NIV and maybe the, you know, some versions, they are derivatives of King James Version. And when you look at the cover of the Bible, with the first two pages, you see it something like the Amplified Version. You have a similar writing style to the King James. So you have various versions. And it's only when you analyze, it's only when you look at two different versions. And sometimes it gives you a better understanding. You sometimes you might read something in the NIV and the rendering may not make it clear to you. But by the time you go to the Amplified and you go to the NLT or the New Living Translation, you get a better understanding of it. Example, um, I think in John chapter 9, they asked Jesus a question that, why is this man born blind? Did he sin or is his parents who sin? And Jesus said that it was neither this man nor his father but that the works of God might be known, or that God may be glorified. It, it you may not really get it clear if you the King James Version. It's Jesus saying that God allowed the guy to be born in that situation so that he glorified himself. Get it. So sometimes by the time you read two or three different versions, you get what actually Jesus was trying to say. Then you can apply all the things we have learned to be able to rightly divide it. And lastly, I give you several examples of directly contradictory um, 
statements or verses in the King James and the NIV. And the simple way to know it is by reading the whole context or by reading the whole passage, mostly the whole chapter, and you'll be able to get to know the proper context which um, which gives you a, a, a more accurate translation. And sometimes you might need to situate what that verse is telling you in the context of scripture. Does it agree with other scriptures? So I gave you one last time on Hebrews where one version uses Joshua and the other version uses Jesus. It's not wrong because Joshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. So, but then if you read it, you may think that it's talking about Joshua, the commander, the descendant of Moses, when he's not talking about that because Joshua simply means a savior, a deliverer. Sometimes these things come up. I think it's Joshua, a Hebrews 4 verse 8. Sometimes these things come up and it might get you a little bit confused, but as long as you are willing to put in the effort to study, you'll be amazed. Then we end up by saying the fact that the Bible was not written in chapter and verses, but it was human beings that brought up these things, basically to help us make easy reference to the Bible. And sometimes, especially in the New Testament, particularly the Pauline letters, we need to constantly remind yourself that this letter that Paul wrote was not written in chapters and verses particularly the Korean church and the book of Romans. So we see that in the Korean church at some point it addresses particular issues. So we are not privileged to see what was sent Paul. We are only privileged to see his reply. But from his reply, you can deduce to an instance where Paul heard about a man sleeping with his mother-in-law. And you see Paul wrote about it. At the time, Paul had to address the issue about communion. In the book of Romans, he had to address the issue about is it right to eat a particular type of meat or not to eat a particular type of meat. So all these things should bear in our mind. So mostly in Pauline's letters, it's one long essay, one long letter, or one long book that Paul wrote to the Roman church, to the Corinth church and the rest. So sometimes the chapters and the verses affect us in getting a proper train of thoughts in what Paul was trying to say. And just to let you appreciate the fact that Paul was addressing something. That's that brings us to the cultural element. They wrote to Paul that Charlie, this is what is going on. So what do you think we should do? And Paul was addressing. So first, I want to address the issue about, let's say, food. Then the issue about, about sexual immorality. The issue about giving in church. So he was addressing issues based on what was sent him. That's why the cultural element, you must know what was sent. So based on the question that Paul, that was sent to Paul, we may, it, it, it influenced how he answers. And some of these things were based on a particular circumstance. And last we looked about the issue of women not teaching in church, women covering their head, etc. So we need to appreciate all these things. So tonight you are looking at understanding the Old Testament or some things we should know in the Old Testament. But before that, you must learn to know that you won't understand everything in one step. That's one thing that frustrates many of us. Sometimes we think that because we have tried the Hebrew and the Greek, we have tried the context, we have used all the skills we know, but sometimes I'm scripture, we just, there are so many scriptures that I personally am having issues with, I'm struggling to really get what he's saying. And we must be humble to accept the fact that you understand everything now. So I most like to say that we shelf it, some things we put them in the shelf and you'll be amazed it can take a day, a month, a year, two years, but the Holy Spirit will definitely answer you. And particularly for me, there are some verses that, for example, the scripture I gave about Jesus' answer, 
that um, it was neither his fault nor his mother's or his parents' fault, but that the works of God should be made known, but that God should be glorified. I didn't really get Jesus' answer, but I just shelved it in my head. I, I had an idea, but I was not convinced about my answer. But it was about just some weeks or days ago that I'm getting a deeper understanding of the answer Jesus gave. So there are some things that you should learn to shelf, and some things you'll be living your ordinary daily routine, and you'll be amazed. I always give the example of Romans, Romans 5 is 8, that God demonstrated his love to us as while we were yet sinners. It's a scripture well, generally we all know, but I didn't really appreciate the message of that verse. Until one day, it was a long time ago, I went to visit my auntie and her children were asking for something. And she made a statement that like their results had also come in. So she made a statement that, look at the results you had in class, you want me to buy you this. When you do well in class, and I'll buy you this. At that instant, the Holy Ghost just impressed upon me that that is the answer to Roman thing. That my auntie is waiting for her child to do well in class or to do well in school before she buys something for the child. But the Bible is that God didn't wait for us to do something good. So the Holy Ghost gave me one layer of understanding. But still, there's so much loaded in that topic. And at that time, we said it to another understanding came to us. And the Bible said that while we are yet sinners, now, if you look at the word sinners, the more accurate rendering in that context is while we're yet criminals. Because remember, Adam committed a crime. He committed treason against God. And because we are born of Adam, it's like if your father is a slave and your father gave birth to you in slavery, because we are born in slavery, you are also a slave. So because Adam was a criminal and we are born of Adam, we are criminals. So if you say sinners, it's as if you have just disobeyed God, they are known. And we didn't just disobey God, we are criminals. We sold his estate. We sold his treasured possession to his highest enemy. So it's not just about sinners. So right now I've got a layer of understanding on the same things. But I'm believing God that tomorrow, next month, next year, next five years, more understanding will be coming. And that's the attitude. That's how come this same Bible, we have been preaching from this same Bible for thousands of years. It's like, we still have something to always say. It's something that really, really amazes me. Sometimes one particular verse that you have perused, you'll be amazed to hear somebody else teach on that same verse. They'll be like, hey. So this all makes the Bible study interesting. That's why for me personally, um, I do not subscribe to the idea of underlining your Bible, mostly if you have your hard copy Bible. I understand why people do it. But sometimes, it kind of affects our attitude when we are approaching that verse because immediately you underline the verse. Well, some who do it so that they can easily identify the verse. That's understandable. But sometimes because you underline the verse, automatically your mind tells that you have read this verse before. So sometimes we don't pay, we don't give that verse extra attention. We just skim over it or just read over it or brush over it. But sometimes that verse that we just brush over, there gives so much to that verse. And because we have underlined it, automatically our brain just tells that, oh, we have read it before, we know what the verse is. But there's so much. So personally, I don't like to highlight my Bible or uh, or anything. I just leave it clean and clean. So whenever I'm reading it, I read it as though I've never read it before. This is something personal. Maybe your brain doesn't work like mine, but <laughs> sometimes my brain gets too familiar. Especially if I'm reading certain stories. Maybe I've read about the story of David and Goliath several times. Sometimes I try and change the approach I read. 
Maybe I don't start from um, when David was sent by his father. I may start from the beginning. Then something will strike me and I'll go with the preceding verse just again to Russia. For some time, because our mind gets familiar. So just to help us with understanding the Bible. So we are looking at the Old Testament. Basically, I don't want to go into the technical things and what's a testament and all those things. But basically, when we are talking about the Old Testament, we are talking about from Genesis chapter 3, when sin ended. That's when the Old Testament started, because that's when things changed. Jesus was born under the law, we know that. Jesus was born in the Old Testament, when he was born under the law to deliver us from the law. But then, and we know that the Testament starts at the death of a testator. So a man's will is not effective until he dies. So, but those are just technical things, but generally we can just go with the division that we have been given. That is from Genesis to Malachi. It doesn't make much of a difference. Even though Jesus lived in the Old Testament, so he was like the bridge between the old and the new. But I don't want to appreciate the fact that basically the Old Testament started in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam sinned and God killed an animal to cover Adam's nakedness. Technically, that's when the Old Testament started. So I think last week I said that if you really want to know God's original idea for how man should live on earth, the best place is Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 because that tells us the state of the world when sin was not in place, when death was not reigning. And it gives you an idea. And I guess something interesting, I don't know if you have noticed that it's never rained in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. You see, some of are some of the interesting things you will notice if you keep reading that same portion. The first time it rained in the Bible was in the time of Noah. And the first time rain came, rain did not come as a blessing, but rain came as a distraction or punishment from God. It's quite interesting. You know, mostly we signify rain with blessing. But if you look at Genesis chapter 1, you would realize that God had created an air-conditioned system because God's initial plan was to irrigate the land from beneath. So the Bible said the water was coming from under the ground and there was water on top. So it's like man was a sandwich between water. That was to create a conducive atmosphere. So that's how come Genesis chapter 3 was in the cool of the day. So God had already created a natural air-condition so the land was watered like an underground irrigation system. That was the original intent of God. So rain, the first time rain came, was a punishment. So you see, these are all, these figures give you an idea that rain was not actually God's idea. But when Adam ate of that fruit, a lot of things changed. A lot of things changed. That's why I think I said last week that when Moses saw in a vision or was told, however, he got the Old Testament that a serpent was talking to him, he was not surprised because you can assume that in those days, human beings could relate with animals on a certain level. So, mosquito was not created to give man malaria, but because of their fall, everything was in chaos. Romans stated that creation was subject to bondage. So now the water that is supposed to sustain us is causing floods, is causing hurricanes, is destroying lives and properties. The animals who are supposed to keep us company, if I should say, the lion and the zebras, now we are caging them and they are killing us. We are also killing them. <laughs> so the world has become in a big state of chaos. Insects that are supposed to feed on nectar and supposed to help in the ecological system have now become have now become vectors of diseases all because of Adam. 
And it's very important that we appreciate this. So a lot of things changed after Adam disobeyed God. Sin and, and death reigned. So you were, everything was programmed to death. Animals started killing each other, mosquitoes. Now you have to till the land and sweat for you to eat. Adam, hmm, mercy. But then, um, to, let's say the coming of this, or technically when this is that. But when we talk about the Old Testament, and as I said, we are encouraging the reading of the Bible. So I'll just give, in this particular episode, there are so many verses listed in that. I'll just read one and I'll give the rest. Now, whenever you see scriptures in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, it's referring to the Old Testament. So things like when Paul told Timothy that thou art known the Holy Scriptures since thou were a child, the scriptures they're referring to the Old Testament. Because as at the time Paul was telling Timothy that the New Testament had not been put together. So whenever you see the word scriptures in the New Testament, in the epistles, it's referring to the Old Testament. And remember, I said scriptures means graphene, the written word. So as at the time of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, all those times, they were not yet put together. So technically, when the Bible talks about scriptures, it's talking about the Old Testament. But there's an interesting categorization of the Old Testament from the Bible. And let's take the first scripture, Matthew 5, 17. Jesus speaking, he said that, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but I have come to fulfill. So take note of the law or the prophets. Let's go to Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things wheresoever you would men do to you, do ye also unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Let's go to Matthew 11, verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto them. Matthew 22, verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So by now, I think I get to my drift. But let's just leave the Gospels. Let's go to Acts chapter 13, verse 15. It says that, And after reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, So we can continue. So you can see that there's an interesting way that the Bible or the New Testament refers to the Old Testament. It refers to it as the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. So the Old Testament can either be called the Old Testament or it can be called scripture or graphene or it can be called the law and the prophets. So right from Genesis to Malachi, all the books they, they either fall under the law or they fall under the prophets so i know we have our own categorization some say we have um the pentateuch that's the five books of moses then we have the historic books then we have the poetic books then we have the prophets that's the major prophet and the minor prophet and please the major and the minor that is not referring to their degree of anointing it's simply referring to the length of the books so those that wrote lengthy books like um, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, they were called the major prophets, not because <laughs> the anointing was bigger. But nowadays you go around and you see major prophets, some quashi. <laughs> they have minor prophets, please. There's nothing like major prophets and minor prophets. So we have brought up our own view of dividing the Old Testament. But from the New Testament, 
you see that the way the Bible refers to the Old Testament as the law and the prophets. So, as I said, I will give a lot of verses. So, the first of it was Matthew 5, 17, Matthew 7, verse 12, Matthew 11, verse 13, Matthew 22, verse 14. And you can also see Luke 16, 16. Then we have Acts 13, 15, Acts 24, 14, and Acts 28, 33. So all these scriptures, in talking about the Old Testament, they use the word the law and the prophets. So now, the issue is that what was the message of the law and the prophets? Let's start. Um, Acts 28-23. We want to look at what were the law and the prophets saying. So this one is the Bible study. <laughs> so, let's have one verse too. But he desired to hear of thee, what thou thinkest as concerning this sect. We know that everything wherein is spoken against. And when they had pointed a day, they came unto him in his longing to know to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. Now, let me before I continue, he was talking about this the last chapter of Acts. So this was when Paul was given a place to stay. Um, and the Bible says he was given a guard to watch over him and the were under house arrest, if I should say. But they permitted the people to come and visit him. So I said that, and they wanted to know what Paul would teach. So they used to fix a date where they would visit Paul. So that's the verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, they came unto him into his house, his dwelling place. So they fixed the date that they would visit Paul. So that Paul would expound and testify the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. <laughs> Paul, 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 look at the reason. When they came to see Paul to talk to him about the kingdom of God, the Bible said, persuading them concerning Jesus. And where was he persuading them? Because he didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those books were not written. So he didn't have those books to persuade them. But he persuaded them from out of the law of Moses and the prophets. All right, let's go to John 1.45. I want the Bible to speak for itself. John 1.45. Now, this is Nathaniel speaking. And it says that, okay, let's have a verse 44. Now, Philip of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip findeth Nathaniel, said unto him, We have found him. Hmm. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph. I take it again. Philip finally Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, we are answering the question, what did the law and the prophets write about? So what is the Old Testament about? Remember Acts 20:33 and Paul persuading them from the law and the prophets concerning Jesus. And he did that from morning to evening. Now, John 1 45, we say that Philip came to tell Nathaniel that we have found the person that Moses and the prophets have been writing about Jesus, the son of Joseph. Luke 24, verse 44. We're getting interested. Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, Now, this was on a road to Emmaus, and he met two disciples. So, this is verse 44. These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you that must be fulfilled. 
which was written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. So now Jesus has added the Psalms concerning me. Jesus was talking to the disciples and he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So here the scriptures here is talking about the Old Testament. Wherever you see scriptures in the New Testament, wherever you see scriptures in the Bible is referring to the Old Testament, the graphene, the written document. Verse 46, and he said unto them, This thus it is written, and thus is behold Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So now Jesus was talking to them, and I was that he started to teach them from the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning himself. That's Luke 24, 44. Now let's go to Matthew 11, verse 13. So I want to read two minutes because by the time I make my statement, you know it's not me that is speaking, but it's the Bible speaking. Matthew, okay, okay, okay. I've already read that scripture. That's that for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, until John. It's a very intense scripture, but that's not what we are looking at. Now let's look at John 5:39. One of my favorite scriptures. John 5:39. One of the scriptures that really changed my life. It says, "Ye search the scriptures." Jesus is talking over you. He said that you people search the scriptures, talking about what the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, is, the Bible calls it what the Law of Moses and the Prophets. For you think in them you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Jesus is speaking. He's saying that you are reading the Bible or you are reading the, the graphene, thinking that in reading the graphene you get life. But what you are forgetting that this graphene is testifying. You know what it means testify? If you if you if someone commits a crime and need witness. Come and give your account, your eyewitness. Come and testify that what this guy is saying is true or what this guy is saying is not true. So it's still that what these people wrote of old, you are certainly thinking that reading those words, those testimonies, you get like, but what you are missing out is that those testimonies are about me. Hmm. Very interesting. Let's go to Peter. First Peter 1 verse 11. Tonight is a plethora of scriptures. So let's have a verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come. I wish I could explain this, this verse. It's that the prophets who were prophesying, they prophesied something that they themselves were looking into about the grace that should come. Verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. So the spirit of Christ was in the prophets when they were prophesying. And they wanted to know about this thing that they are prophesying about, or this being, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Let's read our last scripture for and before I give you what the law and the prophet says. So 2 Peter 1 21. Okay, let's start from verse 20. Knowing this, this was that we look at this scripture in our first episode. Knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came first episode, and we emphasize on the fact that God is holy man. But let's look at the verse again, verse 20. Knowing this, that no prophecy, remember, take note of details. The Bible said no prophecies, but no prophecy one of scripture and the scripture is talking about what the old testament that is what the law and the prophets 
the law of Moses and the prophets. So now when you read any portion of the Old Testament, there's only one message of the Old Testament. One message. And the message they call it prophecy. You know, prophecy means an inspired speaking, an inspired utterance. So prophecy is not when they come and tell you that you'll be married to Kofi or when they tell you that your house color is blue and you're supposed to do this and that's not prophecy. But prophecy is simply an utterance of a divine origin. And Peter is saying that the inspiration that made up the body of scripture is of no private interpretation because it only contains one prophecy, one prophecy. So we realize that the prophecy of scripture is about a hymn the message, the inspired speaking of scripture, the message or the inspired speaking of the law and the prophets, the message or the inspired speaking of the Old Testament is about a hymn. It's about a hymn. That's why Peter calls it the prophecy of scripture. It's of no private interpretation. And this is the issue. Many people have so many interpretations of scripture. That is why there's so much confusion and so much error. But Peter is saying that there's only one prophecy. There's only one message. And that message is about a hymn. Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1 verse 11. So, verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and said diligently, who prophesied? of the grace that should come unto them, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So what is the prophecy of Scripture? It's about a man called Jesus. What about that man? It's about the sufferings of the man Jesus and the glory that should follow. Let's go back again to Luke 24, 41. You have read it, but let's just go back again. Just to emphasize this too. And this is Jesus speaking on the road to Emmaus. And he said, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you that must be fulfilled. That means what was in the disciples that I must suffer, but they didn't understand. Which were written in the laws of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus speaking, said, what Moses and the prophets wrote, they are concerning me. Verse 45. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand what the scriptures. Remember, the scriptures is what the Old Testament. The Old Testament is referred to as what the law and the prophets. Verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus is behold, Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is the prophecy of scripture this is the message of the scripture that about christ his suffering and the glory that should follow so whenever you read any portion of the law of moses and the prophets and you don't see this prophecy you are going into your own private interpretation this is very important i've given you several scriptures you remember Acts 28, 23, that the people selected a particular day where they would meet Paul. So that Paul would talk to them about the kingdom. And the Bible said, from morning to evening, Paul was preaching to them from what? The laws of Moses and the prophecies concerning the sufferings of Jesus and the glory that should come. In other words, Paul was talking to them about Jesus and his work. And what was his work? To come and die for the sin of man. 
So Peter says, that was the Christ. Christ simply means the anointed one. And anointing is meant for service. Anointing is meant for something. You're not anointed to sit down. So why was Jesus anointed? He was at the anointed one to suffer in place of man. So that was his work. So any portion of the Old Testament you read and you don't see the prophecy of Scripture, you are entering into error. This is all that we need to know in appreciating the Old Testament. And this is where we miss it. So we are just like the Pharisees and the scribes. We are missing it. Now let's go into more. So remember we first answered, what is the Old Testament? And what did the law and the prophets say? They spoke about Jesus and his work. So you realize that they are talking about something. Maybe they are prophesying against Babylon or they are prophesying against a particular king. Then before you realize the next verse, you see them talking about Lucifer. So maybe Ezekiel is talking about king or the king of Tar. Then the next verse, you realize that, ah, oh, that Lucifer, that bright morning star. How did the guy just jump from talking about King Tar to talking about Lucifer? The same about Isaiah. You see him talking about something about Israel, about Jerusalem. And before you realize, he's prophesying that um, the government shall be upon his shoulder, blah, blah, blah. That's what happened. And that's what First Peter, let's read it again, First Peter 1 verse 11. So it's like they are prophesying about the king of Tata. But then the spirit in Christ, that's the same, searching what and what manner of time the spirit in Christ, which was in them, did testify. When it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So when they are prophesying about Jerusalem, about Jericho, about something, then the spirit of Christ will begin to stir them with them. And then Allah will begin to prophesy, a virgin shall give birth. His name, so he himself, he didn't even know what he was saying. So that is why when they finished prophesying, they themselves would try and sit down and try and find out what at all they were saying. Because they themselves had no idea what they were talking about. And immediately we missed the message or the prophecy of scripture. Then we enter into error. And this was all that the apostles preached. Now let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 35. This episode we are reading scriptures. It was a self-explanatory. Acts chapter 8, verse 35. It says, and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. Now, just to give a background, this was when um, Philip was doing a crusade and the Spirit of God caught him to go and join the chariot of an Inopian Indian. So let's read verse 28, Acts 8, 28. So the Inopian was returning, sitting in his chariot and reading Isaiah the prophet. Look at him, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So he was reading the book of Isaiah, verse 29. And the Spirit said unto Philip, go near this chariot, blah, blah, blah. And Philip, the verse 30, and Philip ran unto him and said, do you understand what you are reading, verse 31. And he said, how can I understand unless somebody guides me? And he desired Philip to come and sit with him, verse 32. And the place of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. So he was reading Isaiah. And the part that Philip joined the child was when he got to this verse, where he read that he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and a lamb dumped before his sharer. So he opened not his mouth. In his simulation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now verse 34. And the Enoch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, who is this prophet talking about? Is he speaking about himself or somebody else? Ah. So when the Enoch was reading Isaiah, he noticed that he was talking about a particular man who was referred to as, who was said that he was as a sheep sent to the slaughter. And he asked Philip, is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about something? And that takes us to the verse 35. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. What did Philip do? He preached Jesus because Jesus is the prophecy. He is the message. Acts 5.2 And daily in the temple 
in every house, they cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Ah, remember, as at the time of Acts, there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Corinthians. All that they had was the scripture. All that they had was the graphic. All that they had was the Old Testament. All that they had was the law and the prophets. And he said, every day when they met in their temple and in their house, they ceased not to preach and teach about what? Jesus. Acts 11 verse 20. And some of them were of the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they came unto Antioch, spoke unto the Grecians, preaching Jesus the Lord. Preaching Jesus the Lord. Now let's go to Romans uh, Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that has the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of what? Jesus Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 1, 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us. Yes, who was preached among you by us. And the last scripture, Second Corinthians 4, verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the Lord. What is the prophecy of Scripture? What was Moses talking about? When Moses was writing that a man should not wear a woman's clothes and a woman should not wear a man's clothes, what was Moses actually talking about? When he was telling them about how to build a tabernacle, what was Moses talking about? When he was saying that we do not plant mixed cropping, if I'm planting just tomatoes, just plant tomatoes, what was Moses talking about when he was saying that do not shave the edges of your hair? What was the message? What was it when Isaiah was talking, when Daniel was talking, when Jonah, when all these Old Testament things were going on, what was it portraying? Jesus Christ. So when Philip went to the inner, what did he preach? Jesus. When Paul went, what did he preach? Jesus. That is the message and the prophecy of the Old Testament. So if you preach any other thing, or if you see any other thing aside Jesus, when you open the Old Testament, you are entering into your own private interpretation. So now the issue is, how come we don't see Jesus? Because if it's as simple as I'm saying it to be. How come when I see a man so now where is woman? Why am I not seeing Jesus? Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter three from verse five. Not that our sufficiency is of ourselves to think of ourselves anything, but our sufficiency is of God. Verse six. Who has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter? And the letter is talking about the Old Testament. So he said that we have been made ministers of the New Testament, not the Old Testament, which is the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. <laughs> so here, Paul calls the Old Testament the letter. That's the verse 6. The verse 17, see how we call the Old Testament. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones. So now look at how Paul called the Old Testament. To first, he called the Old Testament letter in verse 6. Verse 7, he called the Old Testament the ministration of death. He said that if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was so glorious that the children of Israel could not steadily behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. So he said that if that the ministration of death was so glorious that people could not look at the face of Moses, even that glory was a passing glory because that glory was not on the face of Moses forever. Verse 8, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be more glorious 
So he said that if the Old Testament was so glorious, how much more the New Testament? So let's skip to the verse 13. And not as Moses would put that a veil over his face, that the children of Israel should not look at him to the end that they were abolished. Verse 14. Now this is the issue. This is the main issue. This is the main point. But that was to give us context. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, remaineth the same veil on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is taken away in Christ. Hmm. Verse 15. So you can use a translation you find more comfortable in the NIV or NLT. Verse 15. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is up. When it shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What Paul is saying is this. He's saying that up until now, just as Moses had to cover a veil over his face because of the glory that was upon his face, that the people of Israel could not look at him directly because his face was shining. So he had to use a veil to cover his face. So that, that veil that Moses was covering his face, that same veil is covering the hearts of the Israelites. So the reason why when we see the Old Testament, we see the letter which kills is because there is a veil covering our hearts. And Paul is telling us the only way that this veil is taken away is when we are in Christ. Then we would realize that all that Moses wrote, all that the prophets wrote, us, until we see Jesus Christ, there is a veil over your hearts. He said, verse 16, when somebody turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where that spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because whenever you read the Old Testament with the veil, what you see is bondage. What you see is captivity. But when you turn to the Lord, and the veil is taken away, and you see Jesus, what you see is liberty. So the reason or the issue with the Old Testament is because people read the Old Testament with the veil over their hearts. So whenever they are reading, they see prisons which enslaves people. That is the issue with the Old Testament. And Paul is saying that immediately that veil is taken away, you are ushered into a realm, into a life of liberty. Many people are still living in bondage of the letter of the ministration of death of the law and the prophets because there's a veil covering their heart. And this was the same thing Jesus told the Pharisees. Remember, John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life. That's the issue. People are thinking that in reading the scriptures, they have eternal life. People are thinking that in observing the, the, the law of Moses and the instruction of the prophets, they have eternal life. People are thinking that in eating this type of food, or not eating this type of food, they have eternal life. People think that in wearing this type of clothes or not wearing this type of clothes, they have eternal life. People think that in observing a particular holiday or not observing a particular holiday, they have eternal life. People think that in performing a particular ritual or not performing a particular ritual, they have eternal life. But you see that when you are reading those rituals, these things are testimonies about me. They are testimonies about me. So when you read the Old Testament with an unveiled face, what you see is Jesus. But the issue is that people read it with their veiled face. 
So now the issue is that why did God speak to them like that? Matthew 13, 34. Jesus answered, remember, he said, whatever question you see, start from Genesis. By the time you get to Revelation, your answer is there. Now, Matthew 13, 34. All these things Jesus spoke unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak unto them. Verse 35. That it might fulfill which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. That is what Matthew tells us. Now let's go to the, how Mark puts it. Right the way Mark puts it. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to the disciples. What they are simply saying is that whenever Jesus was speaking to the multitude, he spoke in parables so that he might fulfill the prophets of Isaiah that in hearing they would not hear, in seeing they would not see. But when he was with his disciples, he began to explain the parables he was giving. And this is the same thing that God, or this is the same way that God was dealing with us in the Old Testament. He was speaking to us in a certain form so you don't see the clarity or you don't see the message. You don't see the clear prophecy. So now three types of writings. This is biblical studies. We call them shadows, types, and allegories. But now the question is why did God speak to us? Or why was Jesus speaking to us? Or why was Jesus speaking to the multitudes in parables? And why did God veil Jesus or cover Jesus up but not in plain words because of the effect of sin. That is why God or Jesus had to speak to the multitudes in parables and God had to speak in the Old Testament in the way he had to do because of the effect of sin. So why did God tell them about offering animals? Because of the effect of sin. Because they would lack the spiritual understanding if God was to speak to them about the real thing, which was what Jesus Christ and his work. So in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was communicated. So Jesus communicated to the multitude in parables. And God communicated or God communicates with us in the Old Testament by three means. We call one of them shadows. The other one is types. And the other one is allegories. Allegories. Shadows, types, and allegories. You put a pause over here. I think the study is getting more interesting. So we put a pause here on shadows, types, and allegories. And next week we will delve deeper into this. But we want to pray. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. What Jesus did to his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, the verse number 25. Luke 24 is saying that, let's start from verse 25. And he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What did they speak? Verse 26. Ought not Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses. Ah, I love Jesus. So Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Ah, this is so sweet. Jesus himself was doing a teaching service. But later on, the eyes were covered. So they couldn't see that they were talking to Jesus. He was asking them that. 
What are we talking about? And they were talking and the verse 20, so let's start verse 24. And certain of them with them with us went to the sepulchre and found out it was not so what the woman had said. They did not see him. She was telling, they were telling Jesus what had happened. And verse 25, and you do fools eh? and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And what did the prophets speak? That Christ should suffer and enter into glory. This is the prophecy of the Old Testament. This is the message of the Old Testament. Christ and his suffering. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses. So Jesus started from the book of what? Exodus. All the way to Malachi. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all, I like the all, <laughs> in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So whenever you read the law of Moses, do you see Jesus? Whenever you read the prophecies of the prophets, do you see Jesus? The reason why you don't see Jesus is because there's a veil over your eyes. It's because you have not yet turned to the Lord. Anybody who turns to the Lord, Paul said that veil is taken off. And you begin to see that when God was telling Moses about sacrifice, when God was telling Moses about festivals, when God was telling Moses about how to deal with the manna, when God was telling Moses about the tabernacle, about all these things, he was actually talking to them about Jesus. But because of the effect of sin on the heart of men, he had to speak in shadows, in types, and in allegories, just as Jesus spoke in parables. But thank God for the coming of Jesus. And the Bible says in the verse, verse number 45, Luke 24, verse 45, then he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Remember, the scriptures here is the Old Testament. The scriptures here is the law and the prophets. The scriptures here is the graphy that he opened their understanding. Tonight, I want to pray that Father, just as you did the two disciples on the road to the Mayos, open up our understanding. Open up our understanding that we might understand the scriptures. Take away the veil of our heart that we might understand the scriptures. Take away the veil of our heart. And this is what is bringing so much arguments. People are arguing about what type of meat to eat and what type of meat not to eat. People are arguing on what type of clothes to wear and what type of clothes not to wear. People are arguing on which days to observe. People are saying Easter is a, is a pagan day. Easter is a this. People are saying Christmas is this. Christmas is not this. There's a veil. Because whenever we read the Old Testament, our hearts are filled. But the Bible says, and Jesus opened their understanding. Father, open our understanding so that we might see the prophets of Scripture. We pray, most importantly, that we pay the price of studying the Bible. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Thank you for being around. Remember to give God your best and make sure that the only thing you owe any man is love. See you next week and bye-bye.